I'm Elaine Weersma. I am the director of the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And today I have the wonderful privilege of having the Mercero family with me. The title of this podcast is It's a Family Affair. And we really wanted to get the perspective of families um, and of a family who is dealing with dementia. So we have uh, Bill and Clara Mercero. Clara was <laughs> diagnosed in 2016, uh, about four years ago. And there are two daughters, uh, Patty, who uh, lives outside of Thunder Bay, and Joanne, who lives here uh, in Thunder Bay. And so um, we want to we talk with them a little bit about their family experience uh, with dementia, because dementia doesn't just affect individuals, but it affects families as well. So Bill, Clara, Patty, Joanne, thank you so much for taking the time. How would you describe your family? We all get along very good. Always held each other, uh, did each other's, uh, if they need help or whatever, we've never, uh, never really feuded or anything. Uh, and they're always there for us. Yeah. We're very privileged to have a family like we do. Yeah, I would say that we're close and it's, it's like, it's not one of those we're close where we're always together or we're spending every moment together. But I know that in the, in a blink of an eye, my sister, my mom, or my dad would be there for me. Like I might not talk to my sister for a couple of weeks, but if I said to her, Hey, I need a chat, like we could FaceTime. And I know that my mom and dad have always been there almost innately when I needed them. Um, but they also know that, um, you know, even though I'm busy, you know, doing the things I'm doing, they know that if they need me, uh, it's, it's a no brainer. Like I will be there. And so I think that closeness, even though we're not in each other's lives every minute of every day, I think that we know that we can rely on each other. Where when I think of our family, I never think of close, even though they, we are, I just thought of us as a fun family. Clara, I'm going to, turn to you and ask you to tell me a little bit about getting your, your diagnosis of dementia and, and mm -hmm. how that happened, but also what your response to that was. I've been waiting for it. Seen so much of it in my family. Long story short, they told me I had it. I was devastated for about five minutes. <laughs> and then I said, uh-uh, I may have it, but it ain't getting me. <laughs> And uh, today, it's not like when my mother was diagnosed or my sisters, because today they know what to do with people like us, like that. We need, we need to be social. Don't hide. I am not ashamed of having my Alzheimer's. For me, so far, I have no complaints. It doesn't change your life that much. You lose an independence. But I like being alone in my house. I like to do all my own stuff. I pick up after Bill. My biggest worry is that people aren't accepting it because there's really nothing. I'm not sick. I can still do things. I can, I, I can, do, I can do everything still. Nothing to be ashamed of. I am not ashamed of having Alzheimer's. You have an incredibly positive attitude, Clara. Bill, when, when you kind of came home and the news was given to you, what was your response and your reaction? I can't say it was a complete surprise, but it kind of snuck up. I, I can't say it was in my mind that it's not going to happen. It just never occurred to me that it would happen. 
um, it kind of snuck up. And what she just explained, uh, the things she does and everything, it's, it's hard to believe that she hasn't, um, other than being forgetful in that. There's no mark on her forehead or she doesn't walk with a limp or something like that to make it known that there is a problem there. Anybody that would come in the house would never know. All these years knowing, say for the past 20, about her mother and her sisters and that, it never, I never looked ahead. Obviously she did, it was probably in the back of her mind, but uh, it wasn't in the back of my mind until we got the word. I seen her, the way her sisters and her mother went, it was sort of crippling to them in a way. And it's not to her, it's uh, to Clara. It's, uh, she's so functional, it's hard to believe that she, uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere down the road things will change, but as far as when she was first diagnosed, nothing changed. My mother always told us if there was anything bad happens, there's always something good in it. You just have to look a little harder. Because yeah. of her attitude and what she says, it's hard for us, even the kids, to believe that she has it. Of course, I think it was always in the back of my mind and I was always worried because of my Nana and my aunts. So I think that I was always hyper aware of it. And so I think that I watched for it. Again, I saw some of the signs and I was absolutely 100% devastated. Um, it took me, it was in October, I think, and probably till about the summer, it took me to accept it. And what I did was every morning when I ran, that's when I cried and I cursed the heavens, I cursed the universe. Um, because nobody deserves that, especially my mom. So it took me uh, almost a year for me to accept it. I mean, I still functioned. I still went on with life. Nothing, you know, but there were, there were certainly days that were worse than others, but it took me, uh, I was, yeah, I was angry. I was um, sad. And I just wanted to protect her. For me, I don't think I'm waiting for it, but when I heard it, I was ready to fight it. But I, as far as the diagnosis, I um, it, it scared me. Yeah. It really scared me, but I never, um, I just thought I had to pay attention more. And thank goodness Joanne, you know, was going to my mom's doctor's appointments or investigating or reading everything. So. I'm not an investigator or a researcher, I'm a doer. So when Joanne tells me what she's learned and this helps, I do that. And when this helps, I'll do that. How did you kind of come to terms as a family? Is it something that you talked about together as a family after the diagnosis or was it something that you just kind of individually processed together and then talked together? Like how, how did you all kind of come to terms with it together as a family? a few challenges here and there but it's uh she's up and running every day uh, you know it's she's making it easier for us her attitude is what's keeping us above water that's what uh, wow thank you <laughs> you're so sweet you are the best in the world mister <laughs> when we speak as a family i i think that we tend to be more individual would be my take on it but then every once in a while i will have a giant meltdown with patty She'll, she's sort of my shoulder and my grounding source. And it's, it's every once in a while, I just, I fall to pieces and she's kind of 
one of the people that I lean on, it's easier for us because my mom is coping well. Being that, again, that I'm far away, I feel like my dad and Joanne uh, deal with stuff and then I get a report after. Not that that's a bad thing, but like Joanne said, I all I can do is mail my mom cookies. <laughs> I try and listen when I can and I try and, you know, focus on, I have two ears, one mouth. Listen, don't speak. Listen, don't speak. Um, we often hear a lot within families uh, with somebody living with dementia that relationships uh, can change, sometimes for the good and sometimes mm -hmm. things become a little more challenging. And so there's no judgment here, but whether things are right or wrong, but, but things do change, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and so I just, I just wanted to ask you as a family, have your relationships with each other changed um, since your mom's diagnosis? I never thought that I didn't have a strong relationship with my dad, but I have a stronger one now. I think because everything was done through my mom, you know, tell dad this or do this or whatever, but now I just talk straight to my dad. So that's kind of nice. That's, that's a, a, a new avenue that wasn't there before, I guess. For Joanne and I, I don't think anything's changed. Uh, and my mom and I, I don't think, I don't think anything's changed. I, I have to agree with Patty. Now we, we organize <laughs> and talk more to dad and, and I, and it's the same thing, but then I, then I, then I feel guilty. I'm like, well, I'm not talking to mom and then I want to leave mom out of it. Right. So I get this. So I'm like, is mom on speakerphone? Cause I want to make sure she's included in the plan. But yeah, now that I would have to agree. And it's cool that Patty said that because it's what I was thinking, but she articulated it well is now my dad is the person we talk to all the time. And I think that's maybe one of the silver linings that that mm -hmm. comes from this is that that has changed that dynamic and we're, we're spending more time with dad. And um, with mom, the things that have changed are, I, I think that we still talk all the time and we still hang out and we go out shopping and stuff like that. I think, I almost think we laugh more than we used to because we talk less about all the serious stuff and talk about all the fun stuff. So I think that's one of the dynamics. And I think that um, I cherish every moment more. I really don't think they've changed much. We've always been close. So it's, uh, it's not like it brought us closer together. We couldn't get any closer than we are now, but uh, no, uh, yeah, it's the day-to-day -day things and uh, talking to them. I'm keeping them updated. Uh, but uh, other than that, it's uh, status quo. It, uh, life goes on and uh, we uh, like to see each other. We're dying to get to see Patty. <laughs> we, uh, and, uh, but other than that, no. We've always been close and uh, it's the way it's going to be. Has your sense of kind of who you are and, and um, like, have you changed since your diagnosis? Yes, I have. Yes, it did change me because now I'm more social and more yappy than I've ever been. I have never, ever had confidence in myself. Never. Because I was told from the time I could, uh, well, when I started school, and I won't go in the school part, but they, they who were in my school told me, the teacher told me, she said, oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. You'll make a good housewife and a mother. I don't know, this did something good for me because it made me now, when I go anywhere, 
I have something I can talk about. There is something. I do know something. Like, you know, and you, Elaine, have really pushed that for me. And, and I will thank you till the day I die. One of the things she stresses is the reason she's, she likes helping people. She always did. I always called her Joe the bartender because she always listened to the sob stories. So she always helped her friends out in, uh, in tight spots. <laughs> that. But she's doing this also for her daughters. She's helping with your research and all that to help nail it down, make a cure, think about a cure or what can be done. And uh, that's uh, that's part of her initiative and uh, that brings out her. Uh, I want to I wanna get everything out there I can possibly give to, to, I don't know, if they can cut my toe off and it'll make it some kind of find in there for the Alzheimer's, they can do it. <laughs> I just want get something out there and I want the name to be changed be be something that you can accept and you don't have to be ashamed of it it doesn't mean I'm stupid or that you know like you've lost your mind like or something I mean and it's got a bad reputation so we have to clean that up I just want to do everything I can so if if God so want that my girls get it that they can handle it like I do, or better. I just want people to know your life still goes on. You can still have fun. You can still live. You can still do silly things and have fun. And never mind the stress of who cares what the heck. If they think I'm, if my neighbor thinks I'm nuts, okay, that's fine. So Patty, I'm gonna ask you as, um, as the daughter who lives far away, <laughs> Um, yeah. And knowing the challenges that come along with it, tell me, tell me a little bit about um, your experiences in supporting your parents and, and your role and what that looks like for you. I wish I could do more. No, you do enough. I try to. I, I I try and do what I can, you know, and and work hard too to not be consumed with guilt. Like I, I can understand the geographical and I. I have to be confident in doing what I'm doing. I'm doing what I can and try and do it the best that I can. Um, Joanne, you're the daughter yes. that lives in town. Tell me, tell me about um, about your role and what you know, what you do and what you play and and um, in supporting your parents. But yeah, I feel like sometimes it is only me, and I want to make sure I'm doing what I can because. They don't want to have to be asking their friends. It's easier to ask your family, right? And I try to be available as, as available as I can. And then I get caught up in work and sometimes I forget. And like, even today I was going to go, I wanted to go yesterday, but I just didn't feel like driving in the snow, which is ridiculous. And then, so I said, I'd go by today, but then I, I got caught up. I ended up working later than I thought it was going to work. And then my lesson got, my riding lesson got changed. So I was rushing out there and then it took longer and and then I felt guilty. So I think that I have a lot, I carry a lot of guilt and I live here and yes. I feel like I'm never doing enough. And I feel like I'm never over there enough. And so I think, and I think that because I'm the one that's here, I should be doing more and I should be like there every day. What advice would you give to other daughters um, who are supporting you know, maybe a mother living with dementia, and of course, you know, a, a father as well, right? Supporting parents, um, both of them. What advice would you give um, to other daughters? 
I think just to follow their lead. My mom's the lead in her life and my dad, I don't want to say my dad's the follower, but he's also letting her lead right now too. And we just have to listen to ourselves and, and do what feels right. And as long as everyone's safe and well-fed and warm, there's not much we can complain about. In the, like I said, in the beginning, I was really devastated and it consumed me. And I think that that's okay because I think you have to feel it. And I, I, want, I would love for people to know that that's normal. Get through that, get through the motions with that diagnosis and learn and trust that there will come a day you can talk about it without crying. And that's, that's when you're moving forward and that's when the healing starts to happen. And that's when you, your healing starts to heal others. Clara, do you feel like your role as a mother has, <clears throat> has changed with your dog? No, I don't think so. No, not in the least. No, like they don't, like Joanne, when she comes over, she doesn't have her over me or, you know, she, like that is one thing I can't stand. It's when people just have her over you. Like, oh no, I can't pour my own tea anymore. So Bill, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, um, as the husband of somebody who, you know, has a diagnosis of dementia and also as a dad, what advice would you give to other men, you know, other husbands, uh, other men, uh, in supporting somebody with dementia, just in this journey, what advice would you give? Patience. <laughs> she took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Practice patience. It's hard for me to give anybody advice because everything's going well for me. I will admit it's challenging sometimes, uh, nerve wracking, um, but she keeps busy. I think she wore out two vacuum cleaners on me. Uh, she's always doing something. Uh, it, she keeps herself occupied. I can uh, leave the house, uh, go golfing or be gone for three or four hours and not have to worry. Her cell phones are a good thing nowadays because we stay in touch and I can track her on mine if, if I need to. Um, I don't know what advice to give them. It's, um, I just hope that they, uh, they have somebody that accepts it like she does. I hope for their sake that uh, they get one as good as I've got. Your time is going to be consumed because of it a little bit. Uh, just uh, get ready to accept it. Sarah, I'm gonna, I, I just got a couple more questions, um, but I'm gonna ask you, what advice would you give to other women um, who are mothers and who are wives um, who have a diagnosis of dementia? Accept it because it's not that bad. We forget things anyways, whether we have Alzheimer's or not. It doesn't matter, we can still forget. So just be patient with the people around like I or me like if anybody jumped on it right away or well, wouldn't upset me because I know how to handle it but I think just accept it and make the best of it look for the good points in it because there's lots look at all the socializing I can do you know there's this group I can go to that group I can go to and you know it and of course you gotta have a Sorry, Bill. You've got to have a good partner, support person too. I mean, it's just without, you know, because he encourages me to do these things. And like, you know, 
he backs me up. He doesn't make me feel guilty about going to them. So to me, if anybody's diagnosed, they've got to be, they just have to accept it. All I can say is when you get that diagnosis, I have good pictures of it because I watched my mother. She lived to be 95 with it. Make the best of it. I take the medication for it. And uh, I think taking the medication is a good thing. But I think the most important part is the person with it takes charge. So it's been four and a bit years since Clara's diagnosis. How would you describe, for each of you, how would you describe your family now? Even closer. <laughs> well, I don't think we, like I say, I don't think we could have gotten no. much closer. We were no. never apart. We never. Yeah, everything we did together. So. We had lots of fun together uh, growing up. Um, we just um, all have to be more aware now. Mm-hmm and uh, go with her and uh, keep her happy. You know, I think it, it, it's strengthened the our bonds bond. we have. Um, so I think it's, it's strengthened our family. So I guess ultimately it's making us closer, but it was just kind of, we're just floating and doing our own thing and staying connected and that foundation held us. But then all of a sudden it just pulled us closer. And I think that now we're, we're not, drifting as much not in a bad way we were just all doing no. our life. but now it just brought us that much closer and 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 where that that those ties are tighter and anybody that's listening to this podcast uh at the end of it and for what we've all talked about go out there or come and meet us um, in our <laughs> northwest dementia working group the dementia cafe the alzheimer's um, all of uh, affairs and all that get out there and take part of them they're out there for you uh, you're going to meet new people and you're going to make new friends and uh, that's going to help you through the journey thanks to clara bill patty and joanne for joining us in this episode and to elaine wearsma for hosting it in case you missed it clara was also part of our preceding episode solidarity of sisterhood that you might enjoy listening to Lots is happening at Dementia Dialogue, with three series now in production, Arts and Dementia, LGBTQ2S, and our French language series. Our fall season is shaping up. Please share your feedback and suggestions with us at DementiaDialogue at lakeheadu.ca. Following and liking us on Facebook and retweeting on Twitter helps us reach more people. Thanks to the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and to the Public Health Agency of Canada. My name is David Harvey.